Who remembers what series we're on? John preached last week. He better know. Krista, what you got? Hey, what? Huh? Well, he said what, but I mean, all of it was from God. So it's not, not exactly wrong. Everyone say, he said what? Look to your neighbor and say, he said what? Look to your other neighbor and say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who remembers what John spoke on last week? Eating flesh and drinking blood. Yes, but really it was specifically on offense, right? Have you guys been offended since last week at all? Probably. <laughs> Did you do what you talked about that you should do? Or were you like, hmm, I need to go listen to that sermon again? <laughs> so we only have two weeks left of this series. So we'll have next week, Caitlin speaking, and then the week after that, McKenna's speaking, right? She told me yes. That's right, ladies bringing it home at the end. They're going to close us out. So, um, yeah, and then, and then Katie is speaking after that, though. <laughs> That'll be great. Yeah, it's true, she is. She's not here, or we would, I mean, we could still root for her, but <laughs> she won't hear. <laughs> so, tonight, what do you guys think? What crazy thing did Jesus say you think I'm talking about tonight? Any thoughts? What, haven't, what hasn't been talked about yet? been a few of them. No, not that one. That would be a good one, though. Gouging your eye out? No, no. So let me, let me just share. God's been really challenging me personally in my own life with this sermon. Like leading up to it, even today, the whole sermon is all about compassion. And God's really been like, how compassionate are you? Are you leaving room to be compassionate towards everybody in your life. I mean, it's really been challenging me. The passage I'm going to be talking about, and don't bring it up yet, Gregory, but we're going to be reading in Mark 6. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to there to get ready. But in Mark 6 is the passage I'm going to be speaking out of. And this specific passage, the interesting thing about it, it's one of the few things that's mentioned in all four Gospels. If you go read the Gospels, there's, there's some things that are spoken in most, and some that are spoken in just one. There's some that are spoken in all of them, like Jesus' crucifixion. Every one of them talks about that. <laughs> and resurrection. It's kind of important. What? I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> What's interesting, though, is this passage is talked about in all four Gospels, but not even the birth of Jesus is. Did you know that? The birth of Jesus isn't talked about in all four of them. It's only talked about in Matthew and Luke. John and Mark don't even bring it up. They just get right to the point. Jesus is doing ministry. <laughs> Here's what he did. Anyways, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into this, all right? Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for 
your example of compassion that you lived out and walked out while you walked on this earth and that you continue to live out and walk out in your relationship with everyone. Lord, I just pray that you would open our eyes to understand what it means to be compassionate just a little bit more. In Jesus' name, amen. So, what do you guys think I'm speaking on? John knows what I'm talking about. Anyone else? Did you guys go to it and you're like, hmm, I wonder what he's talking about. Fish? There's fish in the story. And I can say plural, because, yeah. (laughs) So before I read this passage, I want to share a little bit of what happens before. So, in Mark 6, starting at verse 30 is where we're going to start. Before this passage, we've got the disciples, they were sent out in groups of two. So in pairs, two went out together to go share the good news about the kingdom of heaven coming. And they went and they healed people. They went and saw demons cast out. Like they, they saw miracles happen as they went out. And then shortly before this, John the Baptist gets beheaded. And they get catch wind of it. They hear about it. It's probably his disciples came and told them, hey, John the Baptist just got killed. He was just murdered. And that was Jesus' second cousin. That's, I mean, he was pretty close to him. He, he knew about him, and the relationship was like two kindred spirits. So it, it affected him. It hit him. So starting at verse 30, we'll read this. You want to pull up? Pull it up there, Gregory. I'm going to turn this monitor on so I can read over there instead of reading like this. I don't like to read like that. Anyway, so starting verse 30 in the NIV, and we're going to read till verse 44. So it's a big chunk of Scripture here, so follow along. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught when they went out to go tell people about Jesus. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. You guys ever been there? Ever been in that spot? You're like, man, I can't even take a break to eat. I can't even take a break to sit down and have a couple of chicken wings. I don't know what they would have ate. but <laughs> Anyway, so it says, didn't even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Pretty compassionate of Jesus, right? You guys need a break. So do I. My cousin just died. We need to go have some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So solitary that none of the Gospels even say exactly where it was. (laughs) They just say it was somewhere on the other side of other side of the lake. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the town and got there ahead of them. (laughs) They were running pretty quick. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had what? He had compassion. Compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. Not wrong. (laughs) And it's already very late. 
Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat, assuming they all had money. <laughs> they said to him, that would take more, or, no, sorry. So they buy something to eat. But he said, he answered them what? What did he say? You give them something to eat. Say, he said what? You give them something to eat. Now, how many people is this? If you guys know the parable, it's not a parable. If you guys know the story, how many people are here? 5,000 people. 5,000 men. Matthew, the, the telling in Matthew of the story says 5,000 men as well as women and children. So it's assumed, a lot of scholars think, there was probably fifteen to 20,000 people. That's a lot of people. Guys, that's over half of our city. That's a lot. Have you guys seen that many people in one gathering before? It's a lot of people. <laughs> wow. Hmm. Okay. McKenna's wedding, huh? Hmm. You don't even know that many people, McKenna. <laughs> Anyways, yes, McKenna's married with two children. <laughs> Crazy, I know. It's bombshell announcement. <laughs> Anyways, you give them something to eat. Jesus says to the disciples, how many of you would have looked at Jesus like, you crazy? Me? Not even my whole family would be able to feed that. I don't even know of the whole city. You go to Walmart, is there enough bread in the bread aisle to feed 20,000 people? <laughs> I don't think so. You might have to go to the bread factory at Sweetheart Bread. I don't think there's enough in all three grocery stores. <laughs> Anyways, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. And that's a lot of money. Thousands of dollars to feed all these people. Now, did Jesus know they didn't have the money for that? I would think so. <laughs> so it says, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When directed, or when they found out, they said, five and two fish. I can always hear the sarcasm in their voice. Here's five. And two fish. <laughs> I mean, guys, if you didn't know, that was like a boy's lunch that day. The five loaves, John tells us in the telling of the story, that they were five loaves of barley bread. Which, barley bread, at that time, those loaves, five loaves were enough to feed a guy, no problem. Just one person. Not to mention a boy. And the two fish... It's not expected that they were like some huge cod or some big trout. They were probably like, I don't know, a can of kipper snacks. <laughs> if you didn't know, that's sardines. <laughs> it wasn't much. So then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, 
And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples and distributed and to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Guys, this story is pretty incredible. Now, it's up to you whether you believe it or not. I believe it. I believe it happened. I mean, I've seen God do pretty amazing things with nothing. Like, I don't know, make the universe. <laughs> There's one. <laughs> no, I, I guess I didn't watch him do it, but I at least read about, read about it. Guys, this story is incredible, though. I mean, put yourself in the disciples' shoes. If you were to encounter Jesus and you're like, hey, these people, not only that, we came here to take a break, Jesus, need I remind you, and all these people, it's late. Send them home. Let them go get some food. We're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it would be like being in a field over in Elk Park. There's nowhere around to eat. <laughs> you're like, these people need to go get some food. And Jesus' response was, you feed them. How many of you would have had a puzzle book on your face? You would have been like, are you kidding me? You're being, you're being funny, aren't you? <laughs> that was a funny joke, Jesus. But really, what, what do you want us to do? But that's what he wanted. He wanted to use the disciples to teach them something about God, about God's heart for people, as well as about God's ability compared to ours. There's a lot you can get out of this. I feel like I could do an entire series on this passage alone. And maybe one day I will. And I'm sure there's people out there that have done it. But when reading this passage and asking God, what do you want to say to these people? I feel like there's three main things that God was really wanting to get through to us. The first thing is that Jesus was moved with compassion. If you look in the passage again, when he saw the people after he got out of the boat, what happened? He gets out of the boat, he sees the multitude, which, mind you, imagine you just saw a whole bunch of people, and I'm guessing that the people were actually less on the side that they left from, because it says all the people came from the surrounding town, which would imply that they weren't on the other side from where they left. So they get to the other side, and the amount of people is like tripled. <laughs> like 15, 20,000 people. And you're just like, well, what are we going to do? I know for myself, if I'm leaving to go on vacation, leaving to go take a break, take a moment, and I see that many people, I would maybe be annoyed <laughs> with the multitude of people. Who would have been like that, anybody? Maybe a little bit angry and frustrated, like, what is their problem? Can I not be left alone for a moment? Some of you feel that way just in your own house with siblings. You're like, leave me alone already. Can I have a break? You need to learn a little bit of compassion towards your siblings. <laughs> Maybe they need to learn a little bit of compassion towards you too if they're trying to just annoy you. <laughs> but what does it say in the scripture? It says that Jesus saw the multitude of people and he was moved with what? He was moved with compassion on the people. 
The story in Matthew tells us that he, he ended up healing all the people that were sick after that. And this one tells us he went and, and taught them. I would argue it was probably a mixture of the two. He probably had a healing session and taught the people and then healed some more and then taught them some more. And it went on for hours because by the time the disciples think to themselves, hey, it's getting dark, Jesus. <laughs> I'm ready to go to bed. <laughs> also, we still haven't ate <laughs> because we just left to go take a break. Didn't even get a chance to set up a campfire to cook anything. Can't roast any marshmallows. <laughs> but he had pity on them. I want to share a Greek word with you guys. Everyone say, Splachtiznodomai. I think that's how you do it. I have. I'm terrible with it. It's Greek to me, okay? Splachtiznodomai. <laughs> say it. Splachtiznodomai. The more, the more phlegm you have in it, the more accurate you are in saying it. Splachtiznodomai. Say it with the most phlegm you got. Splachizomai. <laughs> there you go. I just made you all look like idiots. <laughs> Don't worry, I look like an idiot too. So, that is the Greek word for compassion. Doesn't sound like a very compassionate word, right? I mean, it almost sounds like a disease. You have splachizomai? <laughs> oh, stay away from me. I just came down with splachizomai last night. <laughs> what is the word for compassion? Webster's definition of compassion is sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. So compassion is seeing other people's problems and it bothers you so much that you want to solve the problem. That's what compassion is. Another question of whether you end up letting that compassion move you to do something about it is a different thing entirely. I would hope it does. But there's people that you guys are moved with compassion towards, right? In Scripture, we see Jesus was moved with compassion towards all people. And he was also frustrated with some people. <laughs> but he was. The Pharisees bothered him a lot. But he still had compassion towards them. I mean, you see that with Nicodemus when he comes across him. People that are looking and seeking, he's like, hey, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. I stand at the door and knock, is what it says in Revelation. Waiting for the door to be open. But the word compassion, it's something that should move you to do something. When you see other people's distress, you see other people's misfortune, you see other people's problems, it moves you to want to solve it. You guys listening? Hey, listen up. Do I need to separate you guys? Mm-hmm. I need to start what? Yeah. Maybe I need to make a, a whip with a bunch of cords or something. Yeah. Start driving you guys. Yeah. So here's what the Greek word, the definition of it is compassion, but the expanded definition of giving an explanation of what the word meant in Greek, this is what they say it means. To be moved as to one's bowels. 
Isn't that interesting? <laughs> no, it doesn't say move to have a bowel movement, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yes, move by. <laughs> it says, so here's the thing. They understood the bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity. Have you guys ever had butterflies in your stomach? Mm. And all the people dating over here. Oh, yeah, I've got butterflies right now. <laughs> but here's the thing. That's, that's kind of the idea of where it came from. When, you, when there's just something inside of you that's like, I don't know why I feel this way. I feel kind of funny, but I mean, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't necessarily like it, but I don't know what. It, it's weird. <laughs> that's the kind of feeling. Have you guys ever been bothered by something so much? that it made your gut uncomfortable. That you're like, that like bothers me. And I'm not saying what you ate. <laughs> John Kinzel. Here's more explanation. To be moved with compassion, have compassion, to feel sympathy, to pity somebody, to have pity on someone. Be moved with compassion. God feels pity on all who are lost. Do you? Reese? Sam? Did you guys? That's what I thought. God feels pity and compassion towards all who are lost. All of those who do not know him. Do you? Do you feel compassion? A desire to alleviate their conditioning which is being lost, alleviate their condition, which is not knowing Jesus? Do you have a desire to change that in their lives? Do you have a desire to change that in the people around you when you see a problem in their life? Now, some of you guys are like, oh, yeah, my best friend, I'm there thick and thin. What about the person that's at school you guys aren't in school yet, right? The person that you see them bullying other people or being bullied? What about the person you just know they're having a hard time? What about your neighbor? person that cuts your family off while they're driving to somewhere? <laughs> I don't know. There was somebody that just recently passed away from a motorcycle accident right outside here. And they're having their funeral next week. Do these things bother you guys? When you think of those people, does it move you with compassion? And if you were to see your mortal enemy have something happen to them, would you be filled with a sense of vengeance and joy? Yes, they got what they deserved. I've been praying for it for years. <laughs> or are you having a sense of compassion? David ran from his father-in-law constantly trying to kill him. And when his father-in-law died, he mourned over it and made the entire nation of Israel mourn with him. And it was the man that tried to kill him on several occasions, pretty much up until his death. And David was moved with compassion for the man. Another story, go read it yourself. The story of the Good Samaritan, I believe it's in Luke 10. You read the story, it's, it's a parable that Jesus is trying to say, your enemy, you need to have compassion on them. Because I have compassion on you guys. 
And anyone who is opposed to me is my enemy, yet I have compassion on you. It's a story that Jesus paints to say, compassion is something we're to have to everybody, even the people that don't deserve it. He feels pity for everyone. Here's the thing, I feel like God wants to multiply the compassion you have in your life. You guys listening over there? Erica? Jada? Stella? I can keep going all the us. <laughs> I feel like God wants to multiply the compassion in your guys' lives. I think he wanted to multiply it in the disciples. He looked at all the people and he saw them and it moved him with compassion. So first, he spiritually fed them by teaching them, healing those that were sick. And then after that, he's like, all right, let's feed them, feed them. Because <laughs> they're hungry, they need food. And the next story of him feeding 4,000 people, plus women and children, says that he had compassion on them because he thought if they left, they might pass out on the way home because they were so hungry. I believe that God wanted to multiply compassion in the disciples. Where have you guys lacked in compassion? Because we've all got a spot, right? We've all got a place where we're like, oh, I'm, I'm a compassionate person. And then the person mentioned that one thing. And like, wow, who's compassionate for them? Who's really ever compassionate for that person? Those people, that political party. I don't know, I'm going to say one. <laughs> yeah, people from North Dakota, East Montana, Wyoming. <laughs> Anyways, I know all of your weak spots by now. But here's the thing. God wants to multiply it. God's like, I put love inside of you with my Holy Spirit inside of you. I want to multiply it. I want to grow that compassion. I want to multiply that compassion to be something that can actually do something with God's will is that all who know him, God's will is that all would come to know him. And he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his most precious thing to him, to have you, to have the world. And he's God, so you know, he got his son back too. But It pained him to be separated. What do you need to grow in with compassion? I want you to think about it. The second thing I feel like Jesus was wanting to paint a picture with these disciples is that Jesus worked with what the disciples had. And he's going to do the same with you. He doesn't come to you and hope that you had more than he gave you. <laughs> think about it. The disciples, he's like, all right, what you got? You feed them. How in the world are we going to feed them, Jesus? We don't have enough money, let alone the amount of bread that would require. Not all of us would be able to carry it back even. <laughs> that is so much bread. Okay, well, what do you got? Jesus says, what do you have? The disciples, well, we got these five loaves of bread from that kid over there making me steal his lunch <laughs> and two fish. <laughs> For reals, right? <laughs> He was the one, the one prepared one. The, yeah. 
He was, he was, <laughs> he was the extreme melancholy. It's like, I got my whole day figured out. I got lunch solved. I got dinner solved. It's all resolved. Yeah. It was bad. All right, bring it back, bring it back. Was Jesus mad at the disciples when they brought the food? Did he look at them like, really, guys? That's all you got? How the heck am I supposed to work with that? Five loaves and two fish? There's got to be more out there. There's 20,000 people. I wonder if they, like, were like, this is a waste of time. First kid they got to that had food, they're like, let's just go back with this. <laughs> I'm not going to search a crowd of 20,000 people for enough food to feed all of them. I don't know what happened, but I do know they didn't have much, right? Story tells us five loaves and two fish. That was arguably enough for just actually one person. And what does Jesus do with it? He smiles. He looks up to heaven and blesses it and says, Thank you, Lord, for providing for us, for the bread and the fish that you gave us through this child to be able to feed us. May you be blessed and these people. I don't know the exact prayer he said. It was probably something like that. It sounded way cooler because it was in a different language too. But he didn't look at what they had and go, you got anything else? <laughs> you got more? Is that really all you have? Go look some more. <laughs> I need more than that to work. <laughs> no. And when you come to Jesus with what you've got, and not only that, when he says, give me what you have, Go see what it is you've got, and then you bring it to him. He doesn't have that attitude. We're the ones that do. We're the ones that say, yeah, no, I don't really have much. Lord, I, I really, I want to do something for you, but I just really feel like I don't have enough to do anything. Lord, I want to help that person, but I got nothing. He's like, mm, you got something. <laughs> We're the ones that discredit ourselves, Right? We're the ones that say, I can't do that. I don't have enough. I'm not enough. And he's saying, don't worry about it. I got you covered. I'll work with what you got. Because I gave it to you in the first place. And I don't want the attention to be put on you anyways. I want it to be put on me and on God. Which, I mean, same thing, right? <laughs> like, I want the glory to be given to God. Because then that brings glory to him. People see him, and they glorify him. They turn towards him, and their life has changed. Jesus is willing to work with whatever it is that you have. But here's the thing. You've got to be willing to give it. You've got to be willing to share it. You've got to be willing to use it. Thank the Lord that that child was willing to share it, right? I mean, he's probably thinking, I mean, this is my lunch. I thought, I was, I was supposed to have this for dinner. My mom brought it to me and told me, make sure you eat it all, and don't eat it all too fast, and then you're hungry later. I mean, he's holding on to it. It's late at night. And he chooses, no, Jesus needs it. I'll give it. Sure. And what happened? The entire group of 20,000 people are fed, all because of this one child choosing to share what he has. It wasn't even the disciples who had anything in the first place, right? They didn't bring anything. They didn't share anything. 
I wonder if Judas had food in his pocket. <laughs> Wasn't willing to share. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I wrote Peter. <laughs> Just kidding. But Jesus is willing to work with whatever you have. Because he was willing to work with whatever they had. When the disciples came forward, they were like, we got nothing. This is impossible. Well, they'd already been seeing the impossible done. And they saw it again. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2. This one, I encourage you guys, this one's worth memorizing. New Living Translation for this one, Gregory. 2 Corinthians 8, 12. Did I say 2? Yeah, 12. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what? Not what you don't have. Guys, God doesn't expect you to give something you don't have. So don't put that expectation on yourself. Give what you got. And what you have is enough if you're giving it to God to work with. And you try to make it happen yourself. We end up just feeding one person. <laughs> when you give it to the Lord, you end up feeding thousands. Here's the honest truth. We're not able to do anything without. Really. Imagine if the disciples said, no, there's not enough here, Jesus. Nobody can feed these people with what they have. They don't have enough. I'm not going out there. You're just wasting my time. They could have done that, right? But no, they, they decided, all right, he might be crazy, and he's done some crazy things, so maybe we should listen to him. We're all severely lacking in ability, really, though. We're all lacking in ability and talent to be able to do what God expects to do on this earth. Because he expects us to depend on him. He expects us to trust in him. If they would have went around to try to feed a bunch of people with the fish, they wouldn't have been able to do it. And a bunch of bread. But when they gave it to Jesus, that was all the difference. When they chose to give it to him, thousands of people were fed. They saw the in incredible miracle. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for people who will give God whatever they have, no matter how little or how much it is. So this third one, this one's the tough one. I think we all probably struggle with it. Jesus wanted their obedience. You guys struggle to obey? I know I do. <laughs> I struggle to do the right thing. I struggle to listen to what God wants me to do. But Jesus wanted their obedience. First thing he did, he, he was moved with compassion. And he wanted to show them, I love these people. Do you? I love them enough to feed them. Next thing, he's like, I'll work with whatever you got. Give it to me, and I'll take care of the rest. But it, it all started with obedience. If they wouldn't have actually obeyed with what he told them to do, the miracle never would have happened. The impossible never would have been done. Because it required them to have an act of faith 
of listening and trusting in God and just saying, I don't know why you're making me do this, but sure, I'll do it. He makes them get into groups of 50 to 100 people. And I sometimes wonder if he did that just so that they could have an accurate telling of the story of how many people there were. To blow our minds when we read the thing later. Because they were able to have a pretty accurate number of how many people were there. Because they divided them up into groups. To follow a rabbi, which is what the disciples were doing, if you guys didn't know, Jesus was considered a rabbi, which is the word, you guys know what that means? Teacher. And to follow a rabbi was a great honor as a Jewish boy. It was something that you aspired to do. That was like the ultimate thing to do. If a rabbi says, follow me, you're like, sweet. I get out of my family's business. <laughs> this is way better to serve God. Awesome. But to follow a rabbi is to do whatever they told you. Jesus was rather unconventional in his request, <laughs> right? We've already heard about some of them in this series, right? The amount of times I feel like the disciples looked at each other and said, he said, what? was probably a lot. Erica, do you need your phone taken? No? Okay. Mm-hmm. We're almost done. And you can take pictures of yourself all you want. What would you have said if Jesus told you, you feed them? One more time, it's gone. That makes it all the better. <laughs> what would you have said? I want you guys thinking about this. Before listening to this whole story, would you, would you have been like, no way, Jesus. I don't have enough in the first place. Why do you want it? I'm not giving it to you. Well, why? How good is it to you? <laughs> How effective are you with what you have? When you give it to the Lord, it makes all the difference. If they never would have been obedient, the people's needs not being met would have been on them. Think about that. 20,000 people, maybe some of them would have fainted on the way home out of hunger. I mean, there were kids there. <laughs> it would have been on them, them whining to their parents, I'm hungry, mom, dad. <laughs> and Jesus look at them, that's your fault. <laughs> you didn't listen to me. It would have been on them, though. When God tells you to do something and you don't do it, the results that happen because of it are on your hands. They're on you. And that's something that's not easy to hear, but it's the truth. When there's somebody that God has put this little bit of compassion in you that's stirring in your gut, you need to go talk to that person. Hey, you need to go help that person. Hey, you need to reach out a hand to that person. That person's hungry. I know you don't need all three of those cookies. For me, that hits home because at the high school I went to, you could go buy cookies. You could buy three cookies for a buck, and they were super good and probably really bad for you. I mean, there were some people that didn't have the money for it, though. 
I mean, what does God move inside of you? I mean, you guys have all felt it, right? You guys have all been in those places where you're like, oh, I need to say something. Oh, I need to do something. That person that's struggling at the grocery store to keep, I don't know, control of their kids or to put their stuff in the car. I mean, whatever it might be. Person on the street corner. And you, instead, you look away. Guys, I've done it. You get this feeling in your gut, and then you have it come over with, yeah, they, they don't deserve anything. <laughs> they put themselves there. How do you know that? <laughs> Someone else will help them, yeah. You guys ever said that? Guys, when that happens, are you being obedient, or are you quenching it? Because that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit telling you, do something. Do something about it. <laughs> That's right. It's really about. <laughs> Here's an interesting thing. John 6. All right, let's bring it back. God wanted to show the disciples that they were able to give God what they had whenever he asked them to. That he's capable of doing something with what they have as long as they're willing to listen to him and do what he says. They're able to give God what they have. Here's the interesting thing. When you read this story in John, he actually brings it up. He's like stirring the pot with the disciples. He sits down, he looks at the disciples, he's like, Hey, uh, where do you think we can get enough bread to buy to feed all these people? <laughs> I mean, knowing full well how much it would cost, how much it would take to carry that much back. And Philip, one of the disciples, is like, Jesus, we would need half a, day's, half a year's wages just to feed these people enough for them to all bite one thing, to have one bite. And that's not enough to feed everybody. <laughs> I mean, he, Jesus knows full well they don't have enough. And he's like, I'm just going to stir the pot, get this miracle to happen. <laughs> knows already what's going to happen. And he wants to see where they're thinking, where they're at. Are they going to obey? Are they going to listen to him? Because their obedience causes a miracle to happen. And I want you guys to know your obedience is going to do the same thing. The obedience of what God tells you to do in your life is going to cause something miraculous to happen in your world. Whether it's your school come to know Jesus, how cool would that be? Right? One of the teachers here. <laughs> to see people be healed of their afflictions and the impossible happen. But it requires your obedience to see it come through. With what God's telling you to do and you say, all right, I know it's not much, God, but you can do it. You can work with it. When Jesus wants you to do something, no matter how crazy or irrational it is, it might be irrational to the world, right? It might be crazy. Obey God with what he tells you to do and, and get ready to see it multiply. 
Because that's what's going to happen. God wants to multiply our compassion. He wants to multiply our ability. He, he wants to multiply our obedience, too. And it starts with him working with what we have. The little bit we've got. Here's the thing. You give your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your obedience, your compassion to God. And he says, I'll do the rest. I'll take care of it. Let's stand. People's needs were met starting with Jesus having compassion, the obedience of the disciples, and them giving what they had. What do you guys have? I want you to put your hands out like this. And imagine it's as if you're giving God whatever it is you've got. The thing that he's been saying, I want this. I want you to do something with it. I want you to do something with what I've given you. And you've been saying, it's not enough. God, I can't do anything with this. And he's saying, I know, I can. Just give it. Give it to me. I'll take care of it. I'll do the rest. I will multiply it. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. You don't even have to put it up there, Gregory. I don't want you guys to keep your eyes closed while I read this. I might cry when I say this. <laughs> we'll see. Guys, this is one of my favorite stories in the Gospels. In John 21, starting at verse 15 and 17, three verses, it says, this is after Jesus had been raised from the dead and he's with the disciples. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Jesus is telling each one of you to do something. He's telling every single one of you here to do something with what he's given you. And it usually does not involve about you. <laughs> It's about other people moving with compassion to do something to alleviate the pain of those around you. So I'm going to pray. Lord, we give you what we have. We give it to you to work with. Lord, we know that in our hands, we can't do much with it. And really, we can do nothing with it because it says in your word, apart from you, we can do nothing. But with God, all things are possible. And Lord, we give it to you. Lord, the little bit of compassion we have in our hearts. And I'm not talking about the, the things that we're very much compassionate about, but the areas that we're lacking in it. The areas where the people we think of with frustration and anger and bitterness and hurt and offense. God, 
multiply the compassion in our hearts towards those people. Lord, the abilities we have that are really all given by you, the talents we've been given by you, the abilities that we've got, Lord, we give it to you to do what you want. Because when we want to use it, it doesn't get much done. Lord, we give you our obedience when you ask us to do something. When you tell us to follow you. When you tell us, go talk to that person. When you tell us, share the good news of what I did for you with them. And what I want to do for them. Lord, whatever it may be that stirs in our gut of what you want us to do. Lord, we give it to you and say, yes. Yes, Lord. Do with it whatever you will. In Jesus' name, amen.